0: What's up? What's up, Chicago? It's Carl West with you. I am here on the Community Health Focus Hour brought to you by the University of Chicago Medicine Urban Health Initiatives. And we are. Well, I am back again. I always get the last Saturday of the month. And here I am. But I want to follow. I want to change the rule because I normally give you guys this information at the latter part of the show. But I'm going to give you this little disclaimer. We will be off for the next two weeks. Because what happens is I always forget this in the back end. I have to rush it through. We're going to be off for the next two weeks. And then we'll be back with a uh, brand new show starting August 15th. We're going to have hard hitting, brand new topics. We have all our wonderful co hosts uh, Cedric McCoy, Dorian Miller, Dr. Dorian Miller, uh, of course, and me. Uh, and then sometimes Susan Peters fills in. And I think there's one more. I may be missing somebody, but I think that's us. So, anyway, we all for two weeks after this show. I got the grand finale right here, and then we'll, we'll be back. So, again, here I am Saturday afternoon. I got commitments and responsibilities. I got people to see, like my one guest in the studio, and they got two other guests on the phone. I uh, want to engage in some great conversations with them about the community at large. And so, again, I am Carl West. I'm the CEO of MG Media. I publish TBT News, which is a daily digital media outlet. I've uh, been doing that for, God, decades now in terms of being in the publishing business. But this digital piece, I actually celebrated 10 years this year back in April. So, I'm, all, I'm celebrating this whole year because the Corona thing threw off all of my 10 year celebrations that I had set up. Mm-hmm. Look, we're going to have a good show talking about highlighting frontline community organizations. And there are so many in Chicago doing some incredible work. I wish I could highlight and have them all participate at some point and talking about the work they're doing, man. Really trying to engage our community, save our youth, save a host of individuals, man, who've gone through some very tough times in their lives and, and you know, and so these organizations out here, man, uh, the three that we have on today are just three of many that are doing incredible work on the street. And so let me just give you some stats. There are many concerns in the Chicago land community, and there are countless grassroots community organizations playing important roles in helping our communities and its residents strive. Each of these organizations today have been working in our communities for over 20 years respectfully. Today, these frontline organizations will share their work and its impact and what we all can do to help them. Let me introduce the first person because she is the only lady and also someone who is very dear to me. And I want to say hello to Carolyn Day. What's up? You there, Carolyn?
1: Yeah, I was on mute. Oh, my God. What
0: what are you doing on mute? You ain't trying to hear me?
1: I'm caught up up in looking at this beautiful Lake Michigan. It's just beautiful. The water looks great. The sailboats are going by. So I was a little checked out for a moment, but i That's
0: that's how you treat me in the office. You always check it out (laughs) on me, man. Anyway, uh, anyway, uh, Raheem Raheem Cooper, what's up? Am I saying that right? Is it Cooper or Coper?
2: Yes, Raheem Cooper
0: Thomas. That's me. Raheem Cooper Summers. What's up, young brother? Are you good?
2: I'm good. Raheem Cooper Thomas.
0: Raheem Cooper Thomas, man. There you go. Get that whole name out there so we can brand you. I got it, brother. And also, <laughs> we I've, I've been hearing some great things about you, man. You know, the Black Star Project is so dear to me. And me and uh, the late, great Philip Jackson, man, have been roaming these streets of Chicago, man. Uh, sharing brain food and finding solutions to problems, man, for, for years and years. So I heard some good things about you. Glad you're over there doing your thing, brother.
2: Absolutely, man. I'm glad to hear that.
0: Yes, sir. And then also in the studio with me is a guy who's been also a, lo- a lifelong Conrad, fighting in the struggle, man, to just do a multitude, of, a multitude of things in our community. And that is Otis Monroe. What's up, Otis?
3: Uh, good afternoon. Thank you for having me, Brother West. Well, you know,
0: I'm glad that you chose to come in because you made a statement when you came in the studio. You was like, "Man, I need to come in and, and see." No, with well, Carl West, face. I got to come in, right? Right. See, Carolyn didn't feel that way. And then Raheem, I don't think he know me enough to realize that, young brother, next time you get invited to come, like, be me, be with me, you got to come see me, all right? <laughs> I'm going to let you pass this time, little young brother. <laughs> but the, the next, and Carolyn, I see you enough, so we good. Um, so, look, there is a whole lot of things going on right now in our community, man. You know, we 2020 has been an incredible year in terms of, uh, challenges mm-hmm. that we've been facing as we try to maintain the battle we've been fighting for so long and all of a sudden new battles and right. new challenges just kind of surface and we have to maintain what we've done figure out how to incorporate our defeat or manage the new challenges As well as planning for the future. These are all things that leaders must do every single day. Mm -hmm. Deal with the present challenges, the new ones, and plan for a brighter day. And these three individuals, and I'm going to even speak out of turn because I can't vouch as much for Raheem, but based on what I heard, You are one of those brothers who's planning for the future. And so I want to put us all in that category as we attempt to find solutions to the many problems that plague our communities. And so I first want to go right back to you, Carolyn, and just ask you, give us a brief overview of who you are and how did you get in the space that you currently occupy? Great.
1: So I am the executive director of the Black United Fund of Illinois, And I basically got in the space because I've always been around the community, just volunteering and always had a passion about what's happening with people that feel marginalized, people that are voiceless, people that are just needing a sense of hope, people that are looking for jobs, people that are looking to just better themselves. And so coming across being a board member at Buffy and volunteering, I later, you know, stepped into the role of interim and uh, the executive director. As you know, Buffy is really big on volunteering. We promote uh, self-help in terms of helping people help themselves. We're about employing people, but more so giving people the opportunity to have skills, marketable skills to make a difference in understanding social responsibility and philanthropy.
0: Okay. Well, great. And as... You heard me say that I see Carolyn in the office because I am the chairman of the board of the Black United Fund, which I was elected uh, late last year, maybe August, September. So it's almost been a year now, actually, that I've been the chairman of Black United Fund. And I'm going to tell you, it has been an absolute joy to be in the mix with Carolyn as we attempt to live out this this incredible institution's vision and mission. And so uh, we have so much work to do, and we will, I think, you know, through the grace of God and great planning and a great staff and team, uh, we will get at least the majority of the work that we put on paper down and get it done. And so I'm looking forward to continuing working with you, Carolyn. So thank you for being on the show today. Mm My pleasure. And also I want to go to Raheem Cooper-Thomas. Give me a brief overview of who you are, brother, and how did you get in the space that you currently occupy over there with Black Star Project?
2: Absolutely. The Black Star Project focuses on cooperative economics for minority communities all over the world, really. It's very interesting how I got involved with the Black Star Project. I was working in banking, and one of my clients reached out to me and said, I know you're studying for the CPA. You should go and volunteer with the black star project i'm from chicago and i never heard of the organization and so i went one day i don't know if you guys know but gloria smith who is philip's sister yes is the executive director of the black star project and she put some financials right in front of me and she was like you know tell me what you find and from there it's really been a really great road learning much about the deep history, rich connection that the Black Star Project has. And it's really a gem on for the South Side of Chicago and for minorities just in general. And so since then, that was last year, in 2019, I've been working as the internal accountant at the Black Star Project.
0: Okay, let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. How old are you? Yes.
2: I'm 27. Wow. I graduated from Morehouse College in Wonderful. 2015.
1: All
2: right, HBCU. And, you know, HBCU, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been getting more and more involved in the community, especially now that a lot of things are going on. And I think, you know, the young generation, you know, if you're listening, you, you know, it's time for us to step up, and it's time for us to get serious about doing the work in the community
0: i'm gonna give you a pass as a young man because you made the statement that you had never heard of the black star project i'm gonna give you a pass because you sit under 30 so i'm gonna give you a slight (laughs) pass on that because there's no reason for you to for you to have any idea about accuracy in this city and you didn't Mm -hmm. you've never heard of the black star project because it has been at the forefront of everything that comes to uh, fighting for freedom and equality in this city, so I give you a pass. Okay, but right. uh, but that's it. And, and I think okay. and I think you know that young people are definitely. And we need to get more of them engaged in terms of participating in our organizations, so that they can mm-hmm. continue to help us build these new institutions and make them stand. But young folks, we know that they are out there in the streets, in the forefront, fighting for equality as well, going face to face with <laughs> oppositions. And so we want to give them a whole lot of credit for the work that they've done, whether it comes through the Black Lives Matters or it comes through a host of other organizations who have attached themselves under the umbrella of the Black Lives Matters, because that name really sig- signifies what is happening. And I think that's kind of why that name has been pulsating throughout everybody's conversation because it's just the perfect name if you're talking about who we are. Yes, we matters. So we know that Black Lives Matter you know, is relevant, but there's a whole lot of organizations and groups like the Black Star Project, like Buffy, like the Otis Monroe Foundation that are actively engaged in, for, in the same fight, and we cheer on the same team, and... It just happened to be called the Black Lives Matters. We don't want people to ever confuse that they are the organization that's at the forefront only doing the work. We just happen to have to have a slogan. And that slogan just happened to be one that fits our mission today. With that being said, Otis Monroe, what's up, man? Give me a brief overview and tell me a little bit about how you got into this space.
3: I have been a community Mobilize, if you will, for over forty-five years. I started up in uh, how long? Forty-five years. Okay. I, st- oh, I yeah. started up with uh, Dr. Finney, the Woodlawn organization, and the, organization yes. and the okay. whole the whole Solalinski organizing methodology. So I was very much with my grandparents, part of the Woodline organization. Mm-hmm. Grew up in Woodline, uh, sixty-three, fifteen, South Ingleside, knew Jeff Ford and all those characters. All right. And um, knew Henry English as well in my days at the South Shore Commission. So I've been been, uh, part of a mentorship of many, from Henry English to Dr. Finney to the late Claudette McFarland, Reverend Gilbert Lay, And I stumbled into forming the Monroe Foundation back in 1991, when I was running another organization on the southwest side of Chicago. And the executive director and I were at a meeting talking about foreclosures and its impact on the black community at the time, it was FHA foreclosures. And I remember we were preparing to testify before a congressional hearing that was being held in the field hearing that the late Congressman uh, uh, Charles Hayes was having. And great, man. Uh, great man. Great man, great man. Uh, really one of truly one of the last great proactive congressmen who really understood the power and the effectiveness of his office beyond the press conference and the update. Mm-hmm. he actually continued real quick history he actually continued the task force organizations that congressman then Congressman Harold Washington had set up, so he continued a lot of the platforms for. First Congressional District Voices in Advocacy that Harold started, but I digress. But it was all on the trajectory to my mobilization to start a Monroe Foundation with a focus on preparing African-American-led nonprofit organizations at the base community level to be more effective and more legitimate in their funding pursuits while corralling the philanthropic community in Chicago particularly the white led philanthropic community to be more responsive to the emerging community based organizations that were black led that were previously were not being supported or supported but minimally so
0: I remember when I first met you I saw a promotions I got a fly. One of your flyers, because you at that time, you know, passing out flyers was the norm.
3: That was the norm.
0: And I got one of your flyers, and you was hosting something at the Marquette Bank, which you still do to this day. That's still, correct. That was, and, that's, and that was twenty years ago. And I sat there, and I was like, "This dude is inspiring, man." I mean, oh. you know, twenty years ago, you can imagine, you know, you probably, you, your mission is still equally is great and your passion is the same but your passion that day was you I mean like you calm now that day you was you was just roaring and i was like this dude right here and i remember getting your car before i left and we always had conversations yes. and saw each other and i came to a few other of your meetings of the mines He's, you know you was just there like trying to recruit people to to be involved with this work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember, and that's how I met you. And with Charles Hayes, he was the first person that kind of piqued my thoughts about politics. Mm-hmm. He took me on the bus tour. I went on a bus tour with Betty Magnus and now yes. push to DC. And, and and it was another Ruby and Ruby, Mm
3: -hmm. Ruby
0: Chapman. Yes. Yes. I I met Ruby. She was so entertaining and we became, we became good friends. And still to this day, we are comrades and and she's still in the struggle and love black people. Uh, that's just, and of course, you know, Betty still is over there at push Mm -hmm. holding that down. But I met them then on that long bus ride to DC and then on the way back. And and that was the first time I ever did anything like that. And it, it's what triggered thoughts that still lay deep in me. And for me,
3: it was more about not so much the politics. Like mm-hmm. I got my politic right. indoctrination from Harold, but understanding the importance of and the role of everyday people in the formation of policy and public policy. And for example, one of the bills that the Congressman Hayes had filed was a bill that, which we need today, was to create a 20th century version of the Work Progress Administration. So we're we'll talking about unemployment. Let's put the masses of black unemployed youth and adults
0: to work on massive work Let's projects. hold that one second. We're going to go to a break, but let me give you a number, 773-591-1690, 773-591-1690. Call in if you're out there with an organization or if you want to talk about how you get involved in these organizations and in many other Call 773-591-1690. I'm Carl West, back on the other side. One, two, one, two. What's up? Carl West back at you. Community Health Focus Hour brought to you by University of Chicago Medicine's Urban Health Initiatives. Let's just get right back into this. We got one caller, Mary, on the line. What's up, Mary? Hello, Mary. What's up?
1: Hi, I'd like to ask Mr. Monroe, what is the work that he's doing with previously incarcerated individuals?
0: Sure. Thank you for that. That question. was a question that I had coming up next. Mary, Mary Peters beat us to it.
3: She beat us to it.
0: <laughs> well, Mary, uh, th-
3: thank you for your question. Um, our base work of get clear, Illinois, the campaign to break the generational cycle of recidivism, is on several levels. One is working with individuals who have been out of incarceration at least three years, because those individuals. Are most eligible to file or petition the courts for sealing or expungement of a settled offense. So, in working with the Chicago Police Department, a relationship that former Mayor Rahm Emanuel established for us, and his chief of staff, deputy chief of staff for faith engagement, Reverend uh, Vance Henry, we have a partnership with the Chicago Police Department, whereas once a month, the last Thursday of each month. We take several dozen individuals to CPD to be fingerprinted to obtain their rap sheets, which we pay for using funding we have received from Chicago Cred, most notably from the Chicago Community Trust. We launched the initiative in 2018 with a $10,000 acting up award we received from the Chicago Community Trust. And we use those monies, again, to mobilize the former incarcerated to receive their obtain their rap sheets. We pay for those who have drug offenses to have a drug test that needs to be submitted with the rap sheet. And then working with Chicago Legal Aid, we package the petitions and we send them to uh, the League Chicago Legal Aid, which provides pro bono legal not only representation and finalizing the filing of those petitions, but also court representation and follow them through the process. So that's at base of what we're doing. But here's the system's failures. And if I may take an extra moment just to speak to that. That's part of our larger advocacy right now. And I think this is a moment to have this conversation while everybody's concerned and making optics about Black Lives Matter. Well, our position to County Board President Preck Winkle, the Cook County Board of Commissioners, Mayor Lightfoot, uh, Chief Judge Evans, is that here's how black lives can matter more, particularly among the formerly incarcerated. So the General Assembly several years ago did a wonderful thing by expanding the Eligible options for sealing and expungement for the formerly incarcerated. But the gap or where they fall down is, is the process of getting a hearing and how timely a decision on those filings are made. So Dorothy Brown, the current clerk of the court, will tell you that she's understaffed, so she cannot move petitions through the system expeditiously. The state's attorney's office will tell you, they can't make decisions on whether they're going to challenge or not a petition because by statute, the Cook County State's Attorney's Office, the Illinois State Police, and the Corporation Council where there is a Chicago arrest concern, each by law have sixty days each to challenge or not challenge their petition. There's nothing that streamlines that process so conceivably and they have could take more than hundred and twenty days respectively. And then third and perhaps most importantly is that there is only one judge in the judicial process, one judge, uh, Leroy Martin Jr. hearing these cases. So you these have
0: cases can be in the hundreds.
3: It could be the, in the thousands, thousands. in the thousand, because when the General Assembly again expanded the, the sealable and petitionable options, there was a flood of individuals trying to petition the court. So we are on a campaign to. Ask. We're asking now, but soon we will be demanding and going directly to the neighborhoods. If we have to embarrass them, we will. Tony Preckwinkle, Chief Judge Evans, and said, minimum, Chief Judge Evans, you need to assign at least one more judge to hear these cases and unclog the backlog so that individuals can begin to move from their past into the future more timely. Right. Because the optics of Black Lives Matter, State Attorney Fox, Chief Judge Evans, President Pretwinkle, Board of Commissioners, it's meaningless. It's meaningless when we still have these systems failures.
0: All right, cool, cool. Thank you for that. Seven seven three five nine one sixteen ninety, seven seven three five nine one sixteen ninety to call in. Carolyn, look, how did you discover one the Black United Fund? And then follow that up and tell us what is the most important work that is being done over at the headquarters of Buffy presently.
1: Great. So I actually discovered, I think, the Black United Front first, being a young person riding on the bus down 71st Street, mm-hmm. seeing a red, black, and green flag. That always kind of piqued my interest. I really didn't know what that red, black, and green flag was about, but it, it was about something internally for me. And so it kind of always motivated me in a sense of having a sense of being connected But I found out about the Black United Fund by attending the passing of the torch Mm -hmm. and the work that was being done in the community, particularly through the payroll deduction. I didn't really understand what payroll deduction was at the time, but the more I got to talk with uh, board members at Buffy, I understood the value of people once they were able to be positioned and employed through county state and federal jobs, postal workers, how they gave money out of their checks to really entrust Buffy to give that money back to organizations and build resources within the community. Today, we not only just have payroll deduction, but we also have a number of programs that a lot of people don't understand that we, what we're doing. We have an Upward Bound program, which is academic development for young people who are 1st generation college-bound students, which is run beautifully. We're always recruiting for math and science tutors and, and well-known for doing the HBCU college tour during the spring break time. Uh, people also know us by our large Safe Passage program, which is a stellar program. was committed to help students become safe going to and fro school. They really are first responders. Just within this last week, the mayor has called on us to roll out something with that program uh, during the week of uh, August 3rd. So what people don't know is that we have a lot of volunteer work to do, that we house a lot of small businesses within the South Shore community. The work that Mr. English has done is monumental. It is always a challenge to keep up the pace the pace of the legacy of Mr. English, but more so We are in a period of building new relationships and trying to heal old relationships. And so although we're in this pandemic and the city is under unrest, we're asking people with strategic thoughts, people that are very analytical to reach out to us as we begin to problem solve and strategize on how we might utilize our resources to combat the issue that's facing us as we're planning to move forward with job training programs. We're looking to invest more in professional development for our staff. So we also want people to know that if you have organizations and there's funding out there that you want to apply for, we serve as a fiscal agent. So don't be afraid to make applications because you feel your organization is in position. So we ask that you give us a call you know, always email me at executive director at buffy dot org. Okay. One of the things that makes Buffy works well, people ask about our leadership, is that we work from the bottom up. We have a very resilient staff. Our leadership goes again from the top, from the bottom to the top. We have wonderful staff. A beautiful office manager and property manager, Hazel. We have Ed Hayes. We have Brittany Ca over in our safe passage program and in our upward bound program we have beautiful teachers and uh Mr. Meek Matt Robinson and they often are working hard in the trenches and we have our last historian we have Miss Iris Dunmore who handles all of our fiscal agents and affiliates so we want people to know that we're a federation of affiliates and so we reach throughout the city throughout the state and we have a national organization
0: cool 773 591 Call in. Raheem Cooper Thomas. Now, you already stated that you, have, you did not hear about the Black Star Project before getting involved with them. So that means you had not heard about the incredible, historic work of a man like Mr. Philip Jackson. Once you got there... Did did Gloria, his sister, educate you on the history of this man and the valuable work that he had been doing? And what was your take on that? Did that inspire you? How did you feel about knowing that you was coming to an organization with someone who left such deep footprints?
2: When I got to the Black Star Project, Gloria did definitely talk to me about the stories of Philip Jackson. But really, the way I've learned about his work, is through the many supporters that we have who come to the office all the time. Whenever we go out to another event to talk about Philip Jackson, there are always good remarks about what he's done in the community and how he's galvanized the community to achieve better objectives for themselves. The actual business model itself, when you when you think about, you know, this is going to... the Black Year's 25th anniversary is coming up next year. And when you think about... His experience at the CHA, or you know, leading in many different organizations, the foundation of the company is very, very strong, and I think that's also something to admire and something to learn, especially as we think about how to restructure the organization in his absence. So, absolutely, the legacy of Philip is, you know, you just can't hear it from one person. So, <laughs> you, so you, is you, you hear from everybody.
0: So so since being there versus when you first got there, has your commitment to this organization and your community increased knowing the legacy of a Philip Jackson?
2: Absolutely. I think I've always been committed to the community. And I've always been the type of person who cares about pushing, changing things, changing policies, especially around economics for the African-American population. And... You know, the big question is, how do you do that? Right. What do you do in order to get there? And I think working at the Black Star Project has shed light on so many different avenues, so many different partnerships that are very important within the community that helps to achieve those type of objectives. And I think that's what I admire about the Black Star Project and why I enjoy working there. I think our team is phenomenal. We just had tacos last night, in fact, and we were talking about the future of the organization and where we want to go and how we have the perfect team in place in order to make those objectives happen. So Absolutely. I'm very excited.
0: Cool. I got to make sure I come down there one day. Uh, I got your phone number and just, we grab some lunch, man, and chat and chat it up a little bit. I want to get to know you. And uh, so I'm glad that you're a part of it. You sound like you're going to be a great fit for the black star project. How long you been there now?
2: Absolutely. I've been at the black star project for one year.
0: Oh, one year. Now congratulations. Great. Thank you. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, Monroe. Give me this because I'm always interested in this. I mean, any organization in the city, especially the social from the social side, social enterprise, I guess that's the new word mm-hmm, now, social mm-hmm. enterprise. What is the legacy you want to leave behind? And I'll use the word leave behind, even though you still yeah, in I the understand. work today. What is the legacy you want to leave behind of the Monroe Foundation and your contribution to making black Chicago a better place?
3: You know, as I get older, I think about what would be the legacy of the work, of the work. Uh, Not so much myself, but um, I'm representative of the work. Absolutely. I guess I, I can only hope that we inspired other black voices to have strategy behind the action. In our training today, we were training about 30 individuals who are incarceration impact to become deputy voter registrars and to register, uh, register other formerly incarcerated individuals to vote so they can begin to have a voice as we push these policy issues I, I indicated earlier. And it kind of pivoted a little bit in the conversation, uh, Brother Carl and your listening uh, audience, that we talked about, well, the protest to take down the Columbus statue. And then we ask the question, now that the statues are down, then what? And so hollering and screaming, and then what? We have to be the answer to the then what. And to give credit to— I'm glad
0: you—I'm I'm, I'm so glad you said I'm that, gonna say that. I'm going to say that. I'm going to
3: be Otis all day long. I'm glad
0: you and, said and, and that. that's, and I'm, that's, I'm glad you that, said that. <laughs> we have to be the den. What
3: we have to be the den. What and that's, and that's everybody
0: the, has a role. And play.
3: that's the legacy of Brother Philip Jackson when he started the Black Star Project in 1995. I was there. Was we 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 have access to education, but then what? What does that access mean? His whole advocacy was around the academic racial divide. And that, that divide remains. And then Brother brother Henry English and comes out the world with the Black United Fund. I remember when it started as well. And for a period of time, the Black United Fund was the only philanthropic portal that supported black activism in Chicago. I remember this well. So we need to sustain both the legacy, sustaining the legacy in the work of the Black United Fund. And that of the Black Star Project is supporting the memory and the legacy of Brother Conrad, Brother Henry, and Brother Phillip.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want the same question to go to you, uh, Carolyn Day. What do you want the legacy of your work to be uh, as it's attached to Buffy's past mission, present mission, and future objectives?
1: Yeah. So I definitely want my legacy to be consistent with that I have always been committed to helping people. Our motto, helping people, helping themselves, could not be more the fitting of describing me, that we really tried to reach out to people that felt marginalized, people that felt that there was no hope, giving them the tools to succeed, that we, we were able to draw on the resources from the community, from all over the city, and the world to be able to impart those resources into people and ensure that they understand what philanthropy is about as it relates to our culture. We cannot make it without helping ourselves. And so if I can just reach out to those folks, be it folks that are in government, people that that have skill sets in grant writing, people that just want to unload their pockets, you can give your time, your talent, and your service. So it's not always about money, but we have to invest in our people. You have to spend time with people. You have to talk to people. I know that we're in the time of technology, and COVID has put the distance between us, but you have to invest in people. When you invest in people, you will never, ever be lost in your return.
0: Let me tell you what I appreciate and respect so much about Carolyn's Working with her over these last years, that because we both we both was on the board before we both stepped into our respective roles. She became an executive director, and then sometime me I, later I became the chairman of the board. I've been in business you know, for twenty years. So I'm you know, I'm hard. I'm, but Carolyn is the compassionate part of us over at <laughs> Buffy. And I have to always I'm looking at her like you, you like, okay, I get it. Right. And she like, Well you know, I just care so much about the people and I'm like, no, sometimes we gotta kick people, right?
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> you
0: have to work with me. You know, that's you what I'm saying. That's bills. what I say. And I understand yeah. it completely. But I, again, that's what I respect and admire because she has such a big heart and is so compassionate about the people externally of Buffy that we serve as well as the team internally. And I'm always just looking at her like, really? <laughs> yeah, we, we
3: all have to have a team. I mean, my balance is uh, Vanessa Teleferro with yeah. Adv Consulting Biz. She's our compliance manager. Board leader Paul Lebon and Tony Smith with PNC, mm-hmm. Athena Williams with the West Cook Regional. You need to have folks to balance you because right. sometimes this work can harden you yeah.
0: and harden your response. And being in business hardened me. Raheem, let me before I ask you this question, and it's kind of probably early for you to have this question totally defined. But I'm gonna give you something in case you didn't know about about that man, Philip Jackson. Mm-hmm. To and maybe you know this, maybe you found this out from Gloria, maybe you didn't, but Philip was the door kicker. Philip kicked in doors. He had no mercy when it comes to dealing with corporations, organizations, foundation that felt that he knew because he was all about the stats and the data. He would come to you with tons of paper saying, Carl, look, these foundations has given us this much versus other communities that much. And I'm going to tell every organization out there today. Y'all owe so much to Philip Jackson because when he attacked all these foundations in Chicago about four or five years ago, they They, didn't take that lightly. They did not. They did not. They they didn't take that lightly. Philip kicked in the doors of all these foundations, and he gave them facts. Y'all give us X amount of dollars, and y'all give these other non-black organizations this much money. Why we get such?
3: He made them define what. Is the foundation community likes to refer to a phrase enduring Chicago commitment? So he exposed what exactly the inefficiencies and discrepancies of that enduring Chicago commitment. And I want
0: you, Raheem, to know that with these organizations, that when they get funding today, is because Philip Jackson kicked in the doors in this last five year period when organizations had shut themselves
3: out. And he paid for the it, data. It, he, he paid it, for the research with his own funds. He did not sit around, My give me a grant to study, to, do, to complete the study of the study of the Negro, to study next year's Negro
0: and the next generation right. of Negroes. And so now, Raheem, would you know that one important fact? What do you hope your contribution will be knowing what you know about the Black Star Project and knowing your commitment to them? What do you want to see down the road, your legacy and your peers who you should be bringing into the Black Star Project is be the legacy as you move forward?
2: You no, know, absolutely. Evidence, evidence-based evidence research, evidence-based decision-making has always been something that I've seen consistent with the Black Star Project. You talk about the Carter Foundation, and you talk about a host of others, you know, Chicago Community Trust, around being able to relate the real data. I mean, it's nothing outside of telling the truth. And, of course, that has created some type of friction with our um, corporate partnerships. But I think it hasn't. You know, I think a lot of people, and, and to your point that you're making, that a lot of other black organizations are starting to see support from corporations. And I don't think the narrative has to be something that is confrontational or something, you know, that creates a negative connotation. I think that's all about us as a community building our relationships with where we deserve it. I mean, it's nothing less than that. And I think the the legacy for the Black Star Project that I see especially with a lot of organizations depending on corporations or foundations and government grants to sustain their work, is to create a community where we participate in our own funding. And I think we, and we I'm talking about minorities, you know, African-Americans, you could talk about Chicago in the world, Coming together and having partnerships around, let's look into our retirement accounts and our 401Ks, our trust accounts. You know, do we have something set up where we're sustaining or funding the things that we find important throughout our lives? You know, organizations that help us get to where we are, et cetera, et cetera. And I think with that kind of strategy... I think we'll have a, a long-term, we're talking about 25 years. Now you can look at something like 100 years um, or, even, or even more around creating our sustainability um, when it comes to economics, but being able to now define programs and being able to do things for ourselves. And I think that kind of leverage is going to really take the work that we want to do further and not just for the Black Star Project, but for all the organization, you know, which is why I love the Monroe Foundation, because it really brings in home. you know, when you sit down with Otis Monroe, you have to come with, you have to come, don't come playing around, you know, you have to be ready for the serious work that it's going to take in order, you know, to get further. So I think, you know, what Phillip done, what you've done, Otis, the Black United Fund, i I've spent some time with Urban Bound. I went to Urban Prep. You know, we have a relationship with them. All of this work is really getting its energy, and I just want to be in the forefront to let people know it is important to participate, whether that's through funding, whether that's through volunteering, whether whatever you're, whatever you can do, we need that,
0: brother. I'm so impressed with you. Look, this time has flown by. This wonderful <laughs> conversation, but let me get this one quickly. You got a minute? Everybody gonna have a minute. Tell me what has been the impact of your organization, and close out with a number, email, phone, website, or whatever. But give me the impact of your organization thus far. I think in
3: the in the past uh, five years, we've helped about thirty black-led organizations obtain over five million dollars in either investments or grants <laughs> to further their mission and the work they're doing to improve some aspect of the lives of black people. And you can contact me. I answer my own calls at 773-315-9720. An old ad man said, say it twice, Morgan Carter, 773-315-9720. And if you'd like to support the work that we're doing, buy those rap sheets those drug testing, pay for folks to get clothes to start their first day of job, get a bus pass, contribute to www.getcleared.com today.org www.getclearedtoday.org.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, Carolyn Day, give me, give us, the listeners, uh, a brief synopsis of the impact thus far of your role as the executive director of Buffy. And then leave us a phone number website.
1: Sure, sure. So I can say that uh, we really began to turn the ship around in terms of accountability and governance for our organization. We're really doing what we say we're doing. More evidence that during COVID, that we've been able to employ people without any layoffs. More importantly, that we were able to give out over $30,000 via our emergency response fund to many organizations that needed help during this time. We'd love to talk more about everything that Buffy does. You can reach me at executive director at buffy 773-324-0494. You know, we recently lost our Dr. Conrad Worrell, and we hope to continue to live up to helping black people. More importantly, studying to show yourself approved is, is the way.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Raheem, you can close us out. Give us the same question, man. What is what is your impact, the impact of Black United Fund, I'm sorry, of the Black Star Project under your administration leadership as you move forward? And give us some information on how we can reach you.
2: Absolutely. The Black Star Project is hosting many uh, academic programs coming up this fall for parents, if you're listening. I know we know the state of where schools are going and the Black Star Project is already in position to create something virtual for parents, for students to go ahead and, and, and make sure that their academic that their academic requirements are still met. And that's something that we're doing right now. If you want to learn about more of the programs that the Black Star Project has, I could absolutely not talk about that in 30 seconds. Please give us a call. We're always at the office. Give us a call at 773 285 Nine six zero zero. If someone does not answer, please leave a voice message, and we will call you back. Also, follow us on Instagram at BlackStar the um, BlackStar One Thousand, um, and also our Facebook page at the BlackStar Project.
0: Thank you. I'm telling the producer right now that as soon as we come off our two weeks hiatus, my first show is part two of this because. Again, there's a host of organizations doing incredible work, and I want to definitely revisit the three of you guys to come back and finish this amazing conversation because we can never stop talking enough no. about the work that all three organizations present are doing and the work dozens of other ones are doing. Absolutely. This is an ongoing conversation as we change the trajectory of our community. Uh, let me just say I want to thank uh, Susan Peters, the executive producer. I want to thank Titus Williams. Our technical producer and Miss Latierra Barnett, who was streaming on Facebook Live. Uh, thank you guys, but most importantly, thank the listeners. Go out and enjoy the rest of the weekend. I'm going home and take a nap. Me too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, we, we got to take naps. We got to take naps. We yeah. got to take naps. And young brother, I want to tell you, Raheem, brother, I'm impressed with you. I cannot wait to sit down with you and have a conversation i'm going to come to you once and i'm going to invite you over to buffy the second time so you can engage with us and but uh, i'm impressed with you young brother i need more young brothers like you out here to be soldiers in this fight Amen. to Amen. change our community so Thank on that so note much, absolutely on that note i'm carl west community health focus hour brought to you by university of chicago medicine urban health initiative again enjoy the weekend I am out. Peace. One love. The Community Health Focus Hour is brought to you by the Urban Health Initiative of the University of Chicago Medicine.